calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode of The Chardon Tapes was made possible by our supporters on Patreon. Daisy Chardon. Derek Schultz, has Matilda, and Logan Cheshire. If you'd like to support the show as well, please go to patreon.com slash homesteadcorner. For as little as $5 a month, you get early access to ad-free versions of episodes, a special weekly behind-the-scenes podcast, and patron-only AMA live streams. Before we get started, this episode contains themes and brief discussions of human trafficking, descriptions of violent injury and death, including gore, fire and impalement, and squelching sound effects. Content warnings and a full transcript are available in the show notes. Whew. Next time, a bigger body. A man wins. <sighs> Morning, Commissioner. Apologies for my late entrance. Trouble finding the room? Just lost track of time, sir. Right. Well, let's get started then. Please state your name and rank for the record. Ned LaRoe, Deputy Chief, Oslo County Police Department, State of Nevada. Is there a. You have a middle name, Mr. LaRoe? No, sir. Ah. No, I see you don't. Hmm. Very well. Mr. LaRoe, I would like to state for the record that the purpose of this meeting is to address the board's concerns with the behavior of Chief Edgar Morrison, specifically his large number of unauthorized absences and unusual behavior during the last few months. I understand that he's entrusted you with overseeing a number of high-profile cases during this time, along with promoting you to the rank of Deputy Chief... That is correct, sir. And how do you find your new position? Well, just fine and dandy, Commissioner. I'm sorry? I mean, it's taken some adjustment to be sure, but Morrison and I have our own way of working things out. Your own way? Well, we're in contact almost constantly. You know, I'm around the precinct more than he is, sure, but he's the one doing most of the, uh, you know, the mental work. I don't think he ever takes a break. Just one of those guys who always takes his work home with him. Relentless is what he is. Someone ought to make a documentary about him. Mr. LaRoe, I would hate to think you're not taking this inquest seriously. Serious as a heart attack, Commissioner Gordon. Is that a joke, LaRoe? Slip of the tongue, Commissioner Michaels. Mr. LaRoe, you should also know that we've had a number of complaints regarding you. Really? How, uh, how many? Several. 
I see. Mr. LaRoe, it is the duty of this board to maintain a certain level of integrity within the department from all officers, top to bottom. If the integrity fails at the top, it will fail everywhere else. Do you understand? I, uh... I will circle back to the issue at hand, Mr. LaRoe. If you don't answer our questions to a satisfactory level, we will be forced to reevaluate the position Chief Morrison has placed you in. And if we discover you've held anything back from us... Understood, sir. Now, tell me. Is there a reasonable explanation for Morrison's behavior since his injury? Frigid Lake Superior, a fabricated creature birthed from the mind of a disturbed genius stalks the very people who created it. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling author Scott Sigler is a classic tale of science gone horribly wrong. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Samuel Isaac Bailey, recording for ISFA Internal Records. Mission log, December 16th, 2019, at 8.45 p.m. Central Standard Time. Location, New Orleans, Louisiana. Somewhere in the French Quarter. I, I don't know the area well enough to say where exactly. And hopefully I never will. That, that didn't come out the way I wanted it to. It's just... There are so many people here, basically all of them drunk. There's this feeling to this place. It's dark, indulgent, beautiful, alluring. Like a siren song. A number of spirits that must walk these streets. I've, I've never felt anything like it outside Oslo, and at least there the physical world isn't also... <clears throat> Anyway, back to the point. I don't have much time. I've just stepped away from the vampire tour to make my log. And yes, I am choosing to breeze past that. I haven't had a moment to myself since we got here, and I'm just going to enjoy the fact that no one's talking my ear off at this moment. At least we're visiting in December. The the air is already so humid that I... I mean, I'm still not entirely sure how it works, but I know my physical body is connected to water. I just feel overwhelmed in this environment. It's so much easier to feel where I end and the world begins in the desert or in the mountains, but here... I guess that's kind of the point of this place, though, isn't it? The permeability of boundaries. Get drunk, dance with a stranger, speak to the spirits beyond in a dark and curtained corner, or disappear, carried off by some strange, invisible force, 
human or otherwise. That's what we're here to investigate. On our flight from New Mexico, Ren informed us that the number of disappearances in the city have spiked in the last few weeks. Just a couple of weeks ago, 15 people went missing in the NOLA metro area in the span of a few days. That's far higher than the average rate for the entire state. And since then, the trend hasn't slowed. The police tried to ignore it at first. They don't really care about a single disappearance. I mean, unless you're Anna Sheridan and the chief needs to cover up his attempted murder, of course. But when it involves tourists, affluent white influencers with influential parents, then the alarm is raised. I picked up a copy of the Times-Picayune at MSY just to try and get a feel for the city's mood. There were some unusual comments from one John Broussard, the owner of the Shrimp Barrel family restaurant chain and, of course, Louisiana State Senator. Someone leaked a speech he made at a private dinner party where he said, and I quote, If there's anything to be worried about in New Orleans, it's the rampant drug use, casual sex, etc., etc. He goes on for a while. The culture of death and destruction, these vampires... They're the ones who represent that. Sure, they might look enticing, but that makes the youth follow their example, not knowing or caring about the real evil they create, putting our beautiful city in danger. (laughs) Of course, the state senator talking about vampires had been memed to death long before it reached the papers. But what interests me is his statement doesn't seem as metaphorical as the press is making it out to be. I've told Rand we should keep an eye out for Mr. Bassard or others like him. I suspect that Morrison might not be the only person in power trying to use the supernatural to their own ends for a, a while now. That's not to say I actually believe we're dealing with vampires. God, even saying that out loud feels ridiculous. I know, I know, we've dealt with weirder, stranger things, but... The idea that there's just a secret society of blood-sucking immortals living in the shadows is just... It just feels like a step too far. This city is full of legends about all kinds of cryptids and ghouls and monsters. That that doesn't mean they're all true. There's something here. But whatever the truth is, I intend to let it speak for itself. There you are. Come on, Sam. The tour guide's already on the last stop. What? What? Oh, uh, right. Um, sure, I'll just, uh... (laughs) Sam, I know it's a little goofy, but Ren already paid for the tour. Let's at least finish it out. (sighs) Fine. Anything good from the last stop? Uh, Some filming location from Interview with a Vampire. Kate kind of freaked out. Apparently, she's a big fan. (laughs) Maria picked the guide's brain about people who live in vampire covens and drink each other's blood. I, I, I guess it's a bit of local lore she researched, and the guides started talking about some vampire speakeasy in the French Quarter, which really doesn't sound like my kind of place. I mean, we're in this New Orleans. I want to party, not drink in the atmosphere. You the know? juiciest and darkest of the French Quarter's legends. Turn up your collars and keep your eyes open. You never know who might be dwelling in the shadows. Dramatic much? You're one to talk. This way. Oh, Sam, are you all right? You're sweating a lot. How? It's like 60 degrees and cloudy. You really don't need to keep going over this, you know. 
So, where did you all meet? I'm sorry. I just can't quite figure you out. I thought you might be old school friends, but you're all clearly uh, different ages. Are you co-workers? Um, uh, sort of. Hmm, must be a cool company if they're paying for a vampire tour in the middle of the week. Where do y'all work? Uh, Microsoft. Microsoft. I guess I can see it. Well, my cool ghouls and goblins, I'm pleased to announce that we have arrived at our final location. (gasps) Folks, what you see before you is one of the most infamous and adored buildings in all of New Orleans. This impressive three-story estate on the edge of the French Quarter has undergone transformation after transformation in the course of its lifetime. A tale of promise haunting and ruin. Our story begins in 1830 when an ingenious but mysterious architect named David Whitmore commissioned its construction as a grand family home. As you can see, Whitmore drew great inspiration from the Italiante style with posts supporting a two-story gallery, arched brackets, and a deep horizontal overhang. Fantastic. I thought the Italiante style wasn't popular in this area until the 1840s. You know your architecture. You're right, of course. Whitmore was always ahead of the curve. And given his fate, that might have been true for more than his stylings. Folks, come in closer, if you would. I wouldn't want the dark to creep in on us. As construction began in earnest on the Whitmore estate, the builders hit one delay after another. Missing materials, Sick laborers, torrential rains, and Whitmore himself, the grand visionary for this project, kept changing his mind. A staircase on the plans would be four feet wide one day, then six feet the next. A solid wall in the blueprint would be scribbled out, replaced with a movable panel. Construction stretched on for months, then years. Whitmore began to find it more and more difficult to stay in control of the project. And his final request. The estate's third story, if you haven't noticed, only has one small, single window. Barely big enough for a person to stick their head through. And the shutters on that window, well, they happen to be open tonight. As they are every night. But between the second and third story, there isn't a staircase or a ladder or even a gap in the walls. And if you were to return to this spot during the daytime, you would find that window closed. So why build a third story that no living person could use? Well, some say it was to hide a terrible experiment, an awful alliance. Who with? The only name that's ever reached these streets whispered in the moments when people forget themselves, forget the danger, is the Ancient Ones. Whitmore, they say, was aligned with something or someone powerful, something beyond us, and perhaps something he did not fully understand. For you see, the third floor is not entirely empty. 
The interior, from floor to ceiling, is completely encased in a one-foot-thick barrier of heavy brickwork. Think about the heat in there, in the summer. The radiating, unimaginable burning heat. Even at night, there would be no relief, no escape. Except that tiny window. And that begs the question, what was Whitmore so afraid of that he tried to hide it in a room like that? Legend says that the day after the third story was finally complete, David Whitmore disappeared. But there are some eyewitness accounts, strange rumors that Whitmore was seen on that final night, standing pale-faced at the third story window. Mouth open in a silent scream no living soul ever heard. Almost 200 years have passed since that night, and in that time the Whitmore estate has been many things to many people. In 1837, it was purchased by Claude Colton I. He purchased it as a family home, but chose to move away after only three years. Then, like all good haunted houses, it became a small jail in 1840, then a private academy which operated until 1952, when a horrible fire broke out in the corner of the second level. Eight boys are said to have died, but their bodies were never found. The Colton family still owned the building, but they decided to keep it empty for some time. Then, in the mid-80s, Claude Colton V moved back in, using it as his private estate once more. Unfortunately, the estate's troubled past caught up with him on Valentine's Day, 1998. It was a bloody mess. A Valentine's gala gone horribly wrong. More than a dozen partygoers were found dead at the estate, either partially or fully drained of blood. Colton himself was found unconscious in a guest bedroom, apparently unaware of the night's events. He's remained tight-lipped about the massacre ever since, and no arrests were ever made. It's not surprising that people say vampires live up there. They'd be completely protected from the sunlight during the day, and their bloodless bodies might be able to withstand the heat better than we could. But if they are vampires, then there's something different about them. Whenever brave or stupid souls dare to look up and gaze into that window late at night, they all swear to see the same thing. Pale, tiny lights zipping out in the darkness just after midnight, returning before the dawn. Some people claim to see those same lights in the darkened corners of the city, trying to draw in unsuspecting travelers. Maybe not. Maybe they're just watching. But if you see what looks like two pale eyes staring at you from a dark and narrow street, I'd recommend you run. But whenever we speak of the dead, we must be careful, for the dead are often listening. Watch your step, wander too close, and you might find out exactly what dwells in that third-story room. For in the shadows of New Orleans, there will always be something waiting to ferry you across the veil. Excuse me. Uh, hi, hi there. Um, I know the tour is over, but uh, I was wondering if you could answer a couple of questions for us. Can I buy you a drink? Well, uh, 
the hell? Why not? I was thinking about grabbing one anyway. Vodka cranberry, please? Mega three. I, I, I really don't want anything. Yes, you do. Oh, this city really is beautiful. I'm glad you're enjoying yourself. First time? <laughs> Won't be the last. Um, <clears throat> have you had any troubles with your tours lately, uh, with all the disappearances? Oh, well, not directly. Things are a little tense, but, you know, these things can happen in any city. Oh, of course. I'm sure it hits closer to home for you than most, though, right? <laughs> what, because of the vampire memes? Hey, you're still here. Could I pick your brain about something? I was doing some research, and I found some interesting stuff about Colton. Did you know he and John Broussard used to be in business together? Really? Yep. Hey, wasn't Broussard in the news recently about some offhand comments about vampires? I love your earrings, by the way. Oh, uh, thank you. Well, yes and no. Colton was one of Broussard's first investors when he started his business. Have y'all gone out there yet? The shrimp. Barrel family place. Yeah, we haven't been there. Sounds like a uh, barrel of laughs. <laughs> or shrimp. <laughs> uh, but really, I know what you're getting at, but I can't say anymore. I really wish I could. You're all lovely people, but we've gotten in trouble before for talking about Broussard and the Coltons. They're very touchy about their history, and things have a way of getting back to them. But all that stuff about the Whitmore State. It's ancient history to them. Everyone in town knows about it. And the way we talk about it, well, it's just a story. Entertainment. Not to mention the Whitmore doesn't even belong to Colton anymore. It was bought last year by some anonymous shell company or other. They don't really seem to know or care what goes on in there. I've, I've already said too much. I'm sorry, you've all been really quite nice, but I have to go. Thanks for the drink. Good morning, Jerry. I hope you're having a nice week. It's, uh... It's been good. No complaints. Wonderful. Listen, I came by to tell you that we're planning to test fire one of our new rocket prototypes later today. I wanted to see if you're interested in joining us. That's... That's kind of you. I thought that working with cars like you do, you might be interested. Mechanical work and all that. I run an impound lot? Not a lot of call for mechanics there, unfortunately. Right. Of course. Well, the offer stands if you change your mind. I was actually about to grab a snack. If you excuse me. What an idea. I'll join you. Of course. So, how are you enjoying your stay otherwise? Well, of course, I appreciate the uh, protection that ISPA has offered, but there's no place like home. I see. Is there any chance we get to leave here any time before the world blows up? That's a major simplification of the situation. But you're under no obligation to stay here. Not if you have something more important to do. I 
just have to wonder what that could be. It's not about what's more important. It's, it's just that I have it's a... It's about your safety. I have to wonder if you remember the situation we extracted you from. Edgar Morrison hasn't been seen in nearly a month, but I don't think that means Oslo is any less dangerous for you. If you return now... Doctor, please. I don't want to argue about this. I would think that you'd want to keep the little home you've made for yourself safe. Your own little world. What did you just say? I didn't mean that as a threat, Mr. Price. It's just that... Isma is paying you a very generous stipend while you're away from work. Up until now, we haven't required your participation, but I believe our situation has escalated, and we could really use all hands on deck. You're a smart, resourceful man. I believe you would be an invaluable asset to our team. And if I don't want to be an asset for anyone anymore? Well, then maybe you should just leave. Just run on home. Hmm. You wouldn't happen to be a Virg advice fan, would you? And if I was? Good evening, Dr. Caldwell. What the hell was that about? Samuel Isaac Bailey, recording for ISFA Internal Records. Mission log, December 19th, 2019, at 10.20 p.m. Central Standard Time. We've rented a small boat, and Ren is currently trying to find a way onto Colton's new estate, but it's, uh, it's slow going. Where did you learn to do this, Ren? Florida. Are you sure this is safe to do without any lights? Certainly safer than trying to sneak down Colton's driveway. Looking for vampires. <laughs> oh, boy. Speaking of which, last night Bill and I attempted to enter Colton's estate on foot. We managed to get right to the edge of the property line before we saw a small hovering light out in the swampland beyond. We tried to follow it, but it kept moving off until it was lost in the fog. Eventually, we realized we were too close to the main house to keep going and had to circle back. But it's odd. It almost felt like it wanted us to follow. And I'm pretty sure it was the same kind of light that the tour guide described at the Whitmore. So we've come back, this time approaching from the water about a half mile east of the property, so we have a pretty good chance of getting closer without being seen, if our luck holds out. Watch your step, everyone. All right. Rules of engagement. No flashlights unless absolutely necessary. We're too close to Colton's property to use them without being seen. Do not step anywhere you can't see moonlight. If you can't see solid ground, turn back. Stay close to the group. And last but most important, keep your cedar stakes in your hands, but pointed down. I don't want to get caught unawares, but I also don't want anyone getting stabbed because they tripped over their feet. Everyone ready? Ready. Ready. Might as well. Lead the way, Ren. I did look up some details of this estate before we left. It's a recent purchase. Brand new build. Bought a few months before the sale of the Whitmore. Everything top of the line. The value of this new place? Nine million. The selling price of the Whitmore estate? Only two million. 
add that to the fact that Colton has apparently pulled out of all of his business ventures in the past decade, and it begs the question, where'd he get the money from? Possible solution? These disappearances are due to vampires. Either casualties of their feeding habits or transformed into vampires themselves. I had my hesitations at first, but building on our working theory, we believe that Colton is working with these vampires like Morrison worked with Ned, and whoever was backing Morrison is also lining Colton's pockets. We really don't have any proof of that. His public image is almost suspiciously tidy. He's well-connected, though. Friends in high places, worked on the boards of several successful companies, the usual. But normally with figures like that, you can find something. Pending lawsuits, hush money, maybe some links to shell companies and overseas ventures. But no. His friendship with John Brassard, notable loudmouth and generally gross human being, is the only hint that he's hiding dirt somewhere. Well... That, and people with that much money always have something to hide. I can see the lights from the property. Keep your voices down. We're close. Those reflections bothering anyone else? I'm having a harder time finding my way, too. We might need to slow down a bit. We'll take a break on that bank up ahead. Should be able to plot a course from up there. Oh, God, I don't even want to know what I just stepped in. Maria, you're still doing... Maria? Shit. Maria! Maria? Where are you? Where the hell did she go? Maria? Maria? Hear me. Anything? No, but there's something... something else. And by something, you mean... Oh, no. You lost one. Thanks. We were worried she'd gotten lost. We'll just keep going on our way. Wait. Uh, Sam? I can't move. We don't want any trouble. Old claim. You were making so much noise. I'm surprised the rest of them haven't found you already. What do you want? Your own private property, if you didn't know. I'd recommend that you leave, but something tells me you're too stubborn to listen. Come on, Maria, let's... Don't come any closer. All right. Maria, you've got to move. Come this way. I'm gonna be sick. Ren, let's go. Not yet. Kate... I don't know who you are, but we've come a long way to help. We're not leaving until we try. Help? What could you five possibly do to help? We know there have been disappearances and pain. That's what you know, is it? My name's Kate. What's yours? Kate, this isn't a good idea. Please. Philippe. Nice to meet you, Philippe. Oh my god. You're trying to help too, aren't you? Everyone 
We need to leave. We're talking to a vampire. You're right. Both of you. But I'm not a danger. Not to you. There is truth in what you say. If you're here to help, maybe you can help me. Do you know something about the disappearances? Uh, I... You were trying to sneak into the estate too, weren't you? I've been following you five for the last few days. I know what you're after. I was sneaking in, yes, but this isn't my first time. I've been doing this for months now. Within those walls, there are... There are dozens of untrained, scared vampires being held against their will by Claude Colton. He used to care about our numbers, spent time working with us, taught us things... Things that I have no idea how he knows. But now he stopped caring about what happens to us. He stopped controlling their feedings, let them run wild. They don't want to be doing what they're doing, but they don't know how to stop. Wait, so this is an out-of-control vampire infestation? Please, listen. I'm not a threat to you, any of you. And I'm trying to teach the rest of them how this life is to be lived. I believe you, Philippe. It's okay. Um... You said he stopped caring about... I heard your theories about Colton. You have a far more charitable view of him than he deserves. It's not just that he's letting them run rampant. He's selling them. To any high-profile buyer who wants their own personal monster. Wait. He's trafficking them? Yes. How long has he been doing this? Only a few years now. It used to be a hobby for him. Creating vampires amused him, somehow. Gave him a sense of power. But when he inherited the Whitmore, he soon realized the power the third story held. It's been a conduit for transformation and terror for so long. The frame of the building itself is imbued with power, with the mark of... The ancient ones? Do not speak their names. I'm telling you all right now... There are dangers in this universe that would swallow you in a heartbeat. Even you, Sam Bailey. So what changed with Colton? He grew obsessed with the audacity of Whitmore's alliance with them. Whitmore allowed them to conduct whatever experiments they desired on the third floor. They came to him in his dreams, promising him riches, power, even immortality. Instead, he was their first guinea pig. For all that, he ended up impaled by a piece of broken wood on a construction site. Freak accident, if you can believe it. He never could resist a promising build. But Colton... Colton is even worse. Eventually, the rush of power he got from manipulating us wasn't enough. He decided it would be a waste not to use our power for his own benefit. He started small. At first, he just used us for his own personal business treated us like entertainers, like party decorations for his guests, an enticing edge of danger with the reassuring sense of control. But his methods were... After the Valentine's Massacre, he didn't try it again. Oh my god. After that, he started assembling his list of buyers, only those willing to accept the risk, only those who had enough money that they felt untouchable. Those who were willing to pay anything, put their families in any kind of danger, just to fill something. I escaped last year, 
just before the sale of the Whitmore. I've been around a long time. I know more about Colton than some of his own children, which is why I've risked everything to save the ones I can. You see, the energy of the Whitmore, it's not just darkness, it's potential. And if you're unprepared to handle it, if you've never had to live with that same power trying to tear its way out of you, it can all too easily go wrong. But for those of us who have been turned, we can use that power. At least, as long as we know the possibility exists. Which is why I've been taking as many of us back to the Whitmore as I can. It's the perfect training ground now that Colton and his ilk have abandoned it. But something's gone wrong. I don't know what, but Colton must have gotten complacent. Comfortable, even. His vampires are young. They're hungrier than usual. And as they feed, they make more of themselves. I'm trying to help them. But I've never felt so lost. What do you need? How can we help you? Sam, we may be out of our depth here. This sounds... Can't you do something about this, Ren? Philippe, I want to offer you something. The organization I work for. We can give you a new identity. All the documents you need. Whatever name you want. Wait, you can do that? We'll track down the owners of the Whitmore. Negotiate a lease in your name. Make the house yours. I don't know if that's... My organization will pay for everything. Rent, bills, food... Uh, I guess, however, you take your... Uh... Animal blood. It's distasteful, but it's better than the alternative. We can arrange that. And if Colton realizes who I am and comes after me... He won't. We'll hire security for the building. Keep any watchful eyes away. It is very generous. But you have to understand, I've been around long enough to earn my skepticism about handouts. What does your organization get out of this arrangement? We learn from you. About vampires. That's what we do now. We study the supernatural. And if we can do that while saving lives and cutting off Colton's supply, well, that's more than worth the cost. Could we meet tomorrow to discuss the details? I... uh, I have many, many conditions. But I'm willing to hear you out. Where should I meet you? Samuel Isaac Bailey, recording for ISFA Internal Records. Final mission report, December 20th, 2019, at 11.45 p.m. Central Standard Time. We've just wrapped up our meeting with Philippe. The deal is done. While the situation is still unstable, this at least introduces some level of safety for the vampires of New Orleans. Philippe has agreed to Ren's plan, and everything is underway. Ren didn't sleep at all last night. He was on the phone with all kinds of people arranging documents and contracts for Philippe and those in his care. It's amazing how fast Isfa can move when it wants to. Anyway, Ren took his own recording of the meeting, so I don't need to bore you with the details. All I've got to contend with is the prospect of the clock striking midnight. Never thought I'd spend a birthday in New Orleans. Not a chance in hell. Please tell me that I just heard what I thought I heard. Uh... Your birthday? It's your birthday, and we're in New Orleans? You'd like to get me drunk, wouldn't you? Yes, I would like to get you drunk. 
You guys are not going to believe this. Sam, tell the class how old you're going to be at midnight. 29. <gasps> I'm designated driver. I really don't... Isn't that a bit disrespectful to go out partying with everything that just happened? You're right. We stumbled onto something horrifying. And we figured out how to keep a bunch of vampires from being sold to rich assholes. And prevented a bunch of people from being turned into vampires themselves. All told, this is about the most positive outcome we've had yet. Not just for the research. (laughs) People still died because of... Sam, horrors don't stop being horrors just because we hold ourselves back from joy. You need to let the light in. Shit. Shit. Come on, Bailey. We've got work to do. Uh, Oh, this doesn't look like my kind of... uh... Hey! Hey, that's good! Go dance with him, Sam. Yeah, yeah. What? What? Go dance with him. Oh, forget this. Hi, what do you do for work? <laughs> I love New Orleans. The big jazz. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? Big jazz. It's the big easy, Sam. Les Lebons of Royal. Time to go home. (laughs) Oh, 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 we should take a road trip home. (gasps) Road trip, road trip, road trip, road trip. (laughs) Maria, drive us, please. That does sound fun, doesn't it? Oh, Ren's passed out. Ren, we're road tripping back to Meriwether. Have fun. I'll catch playing home. Oh, come on, Ren. Nope. You heard the guy. Let's go. Hey! Don't forget the root snacks. Oh. Uh. Hey, where did they... Oh, shit. The Sheridan Tapes, episode 61, Les Ailes Bon Ton Rollet, starring Ezra J. Wayne as Ned Lowe, Brad Colbrook as Commissioner Michaels, Trevor Van Winkle as Sam Bailey, Jesse Steele as Bill Tyler, Zelda Kimball as the tour guide, Virginia Spots as Kate Sheridan, Amitola Lomas as Maria Soul, Sam Taylor as Brent Park, Chris Allison as Daniela Caldwell, Maurice Cooper as Jerry Price, and Delvin Green as Philippe, with original music by Jesse Hawken. Written by Virginia Spots and produced by Trevor Van Winkle and Virginia Spots, with dialogue editing and sound design by Trevor Van Winkle. Visit thesheridantapes.com to view additional content, rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice, and connect with us on Twitter at Sheridan Tapes and on Instagram at The Sheridan Tapes. I'm Trevor Van Winkle, this is Homestead on the Corner, and you're listening to The Sheridan Tapes.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.